Hey there, future fans. This week, we have a homecoming, but no wall crawler. We feel bad for poor Yorick. And obla dee, obla die, life goes on. This is the week of June 28th, 2019, and you are listening to episode 139 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Alright, well welcome to the show. Yes, it is episode 139 titled Annabelle Rigby. Is that title a little on the nose? Yes. Yes it is. But I did really like it so I thought let's go with it anyway even if it's on the nose. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what is this show? You may be tuning in for the first time, and if you are, welcome to the show. If you are a return listener, welcome back, and thank you for always tuning in. But if you are new, this is Future Flicks with Billiam. I am Billiam, and on this show, we do quite a few things. We always start with the news as the first segment. We then go into the trailer trove, where I talk about all the new trailers I've caught my eye since the last episode. Same with the news, all the new news that has caught my eye since the last episode. If I ever miss anything, I ask you to please let me know by emailing me, tweeting me, commenting on SoundCloud, commenting on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Just tell me what's up. After that, we get into the movies, which are broken up into two. Count them two categories. The first is the limited releases, which are movies that are getting a limited release, but also aren't interesting enough, I think at least, to go into the wide release section. In this segment, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. Maybe give a thought or two, but then we wrap it up, and we go into the wide releases and interesting indies, which is just what it sounds like all of the wide releases, no matter how good or bad I think it may be, and any indie films that have caught my eye. Now, remember, I do not get any insider knowledge. I base all of my judgments on the trailer because that is how a movie needs to sell itself to you. So guess what? Maybe sometimes there's going to be some amazing movies that are in the limited section that just had crappy trailers. Maybe there will be some movies in the wide releases and interesting indie section that are crap. And I just thought maybe, hey, the trailer looked good. In that section, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, who's in it, and then I give my thoughts on it, wrapping it all up with a Billiam's Interest Level Score score. That is also known as the Bill score that can go anywhere from a 0 for those terrible movies to an 11 for those movies that turn it up that extra notch. We then wrap the whole show up with the question of the week, and then I send you along the way to the other great shows in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Well, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let us step into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. All right, this first story really isn't a story. Uh, not, Not that much of a story. I just wanted to bring it up just in case any of you are the type to just browse uh, story headlines because this headline by comicbook.com is very misleading and a couple other news outlets have have phrased it like this and they're just clickbaity asshats. So I just want to tell you that no, Robert Pattinson is still in Batman. 
And why do I want to make sure you know that? Well, because these articles, I'm going to use the example from comicbook.com, have phrased it thusly. Batman actor Robert Pattinson drops out of movie due to scheduling conflict. You see, that movie is not Matt Reeves' The Batman. It is an, an indie film that he had signed up to do that now he cannot do because right after he's finishing with the current indie movie he's doing, he's going right into The Batman. So whatever clickbaity jackoff wrote that, let's see, Adam Barnhart. Sir, if you actually came up with that title, um, maybe go give your balls a tug somewhere. Okay, how about that? Uh, this next story comes to us from Entertainment Weekly. According to them, Danny Boyle thinks Robert Pattinson should be the next James Bond. If any of you forgot, Danny Boyle was originally hired to direct Bond 25, and he says that he thinks they're doing good work, but it was obviously not what the studio wanted, so he walked away from it, and Kerry Fukunaga was hired to replace him. Kerry Fukunaga, of course, not from the UK. He's from Oakland, which probably means he is familiar with guns, so there's that. But apparently Danny Boyle was watching Robert Panzen's last movie, which was called High Life. That's that, one, that weird sci-fi thriller that he was in. Apparently, Danny Boyle was blown away by his performance and said that should be the next Bond. And you know what? I'm fine with that. Okay, I, I think he'd be fine. Because there's just so much talk about, oh, Bond should be black now. Bond should be this. Bond should be that. I don't give a flying sh** as long as you just get someone good. And I've quoted this before. And guess what? I'm going to quote it again. I'm going to keep quoting it as long as this stays relevant. That I highly agree with Barbara Broccoli when she said that, the only thing Bond shouldn't be is female, because instead of making an already established character female, let's just make better female characters. So, yay, I like that. Let's do more of that. But what would you all think of Robert Pattinson uh, playing Bond? Or would he not be the right choice because he's already Batman now? This next story comes to us from Variety. Brian Singer has been let go from the Red Sonja movie. Red Sonja, of course, that famous comic book series with the scantily clad warrior woman and you know we have all these great female characters to pull from when we can we, we can make comic books into movies of course the one where you can almost see her tits at all times yeah that, that makes perfect sense though oddly enough with that character there's also this thing of women owning it going oh yeah she th she is a sexual character and we're okay with this and uh okay whatever if you're gonna make the movie make it good but what this story is telling us that Brian Singer has been replaced by Jill Soloway, who is a writer and director for TV shows like Transparent, Six Feet Under, and the United States of Terra. And why was Brian Singer replaced? Well, if you remember, uh, there's been accusations against him for being a creepy creep. Now, I'm saying accusations because I honestly don't know how much of it, if there's anything actually proven or not, or if, it, if it's all just accusations. Because I still think it's very important that we don't call someone, or straight up call them a rapist, pedophile, or anything like that, until we, until we know, until there's proof, until it has gone to trial, and then we know. I know that trials aren't perfect, but let, let's just say we need more information before we jump on, jump on a lot of these bandwagons. But I, I don't know, Brian Singer's questionable creepiness has been around, has been a topic for so long that I don't know if it's if it's just been an alleged thing this whole time or if actual proof has come out. Either way, I can see how until this has been definitively taken care of, he is poison. I can see that. And personally, if I was Brian Singer, I would either, if I was innocent, I would take a whole bunch of money and then try to fight this because even though you'd be spending your own money, you're not going to make anything until you clear your name. 
and then do some sort of big, huge fucking campaign going, no, I am not a creep. This is all fake. Or if it is real, go and hide. Not run away because that's illegal. Just get your face out of the spotlight for a while because uh, you're not you're not going to get work like this. Red Sonia does not have a cast or a writer or anything yet. All we know is that Jill Soloway has replaced Brian Singer. This next story comes to us from Flickering Myth. Kevin Feige has said that it's been fun making MCU plans for the X-Men and Fantastic Four, though he says it is still in its early days, so don't get excited yet. And I think the Disney Marvel treatment is just what the X-Men and Fantastic Four need. They have been there has not been a good Fantastic Four movie. The best one was just entertaining. The best one, I think, is the first one. And the best part of that was that they got an amazing cast. It was just a shitty movie. And Doctor Doom was, even though a good actor played Doom, he was horrible. Doctor Doom is one of the best villains in the entire Marvel universe, and they just turned him into a little bitch. I personally cannot wait to see where they go with this. Next up, the story comes to us from TheRinger.com. Apparently, there's a conspiracy that Space Jam 2, starring LeBron James, is just a way for the Lakers to get around their salary cap trouble for the big star. And I'll tell you this, no one gives a shit. What we care about is if this is gonna be good at all. Many of us, me included, are not even holding our breaths for this movie. It's been far too long. Show us a trailer, make us believe that this could be good, and then we'll care. We still won't care if this is just a, a ploy to get him more money. What the f ever. In a funny story from Sci-Fi Wire, Jason Momoa says he would absolutely remake the movie Twins with his co-star that he was never actually in a scene in from Game of Thrones, Peter Dinklage. In other news, Jason Momoa just wants to have fun and would say yes to anything as long as he thinks it'd be even remotely entertaining. In more Bond 25 news, this from IndieWire, director Kerry Fukunaga addresses rumors that people are upset at him because he's skipping filming to play Red Dead Redemption 2 in his trailer. He la apparently laughed at this and said if his stalled progress in the game would speak for anything, it would speak to the fact that he hasn't been playing. And my god. How many other stories of angry people, hurt people, delayed production of anything are we going to hear from this movie? Is there going to be a point? Is there eventually going to be a point with this movie where it could no longer be good, where so much shit has happened that no matter how good Carrie Fukunaga is, no matter how good Daniel Craig is, no matter how good Rami Malek is as a bad guy, no matter how good all these different pieces are, that so many things have gone wrong that it's no longer possible for it to be a good movie? Do you think that there is this? is this magical line that once you cross it, you can't go back. Logically, no. I know that's not really a thing, but it just feels like it, doesn't it? That the more problems a movie has, the more impossible it is to be good. If you didn't hear, The Witches is being remade, starring Anne Hathaway, and apparently there was an attack on the set. She's fine, though. No, that's okay. The name of the attack victim has not been released, though we know it was originally reported as a stabbing, but now apparently it's a small laceration to the neck, which still is f***ing terrifying. The fact that this has been kept under wraps so well, I'm guessing it's not one of the main stars, probably a crew member, not that their lives are worth any less, but it's just harder to keep something like a star being attacked out of the news. Apparently the person is fine, and the attacker was someone that the person knew uh, that person has since been arrested. 
and no statements have been made since. This next story doesn't have anything to do with movies, but it just makes me smile because people are stupid. According to The Guardian, and you may have heard about this because it was a very popular story, thousands in fact, more than 20,000 Christians have signed a petition calling for the cancellation of Good Omens on Netflix. So let me just like, let's just let that sink in a bit. Okay. Did it sink in? Do you understand? Do you understand why this is funny? Let's start with the obvious. Good Omens was a show on Amazon Prime. So these idiots, 20,000 of these idiots signed a petition for the wrong company to cancel the show. Second, is that this was a limited series. There's no plans for a season two. It was a six episode run. It completed the whole book. And as of yet, not even a hint at them doing anything more. So they're calling for the cancellation of a show that's finished on a, to a network it wasn't on. And I'm kind of angry that these people are call themselves Christians because I don't want to be lumped into the same anything as these idiots. This next story comes to us from Fandango.com. It is official. We're getting a Venom 2. And yes, Tom Hardy is returning. And according to producer Amy Pascal, she does want Tom Holland to eventually be in a movie with Venom. She wants Spider-Man and Venom together. Will this be in Venom 2? She did not confirm, though she says she wants it to happen. And also she says the focus for them now is for each individual movie to stand on its own. And God bless you. God bless you, Amy Pascal, because I think that is something that Fox just couldn't wrap their heads around. Next up, folks, we have a story from First Post. Avengers Endgame to be re-released with deleted scenes and a post-credit tribute on June 28th. This doesn't have anything to do with Avengers Endgame falling just short of the worldwide box office total where Avengers Endgame fell just short of Avatar, could it? Because as I reported before, Avengers Endgame beat Avatar in so many areas. I think it took away everything from Avatar except the worldwide box office total. I do think it stripped every other record. And since this isn't a re-release like years later, it's still it's still in some theaters around around the country since it never technically left. This still counts as the same run. So will Avengers Endgame eventually beat Avatar's worldwide total? Yes. Am I going to see this in theaters again? Yes. In this story from The Nerdist, we now know that the Kingsman prequel is coming in the year 2020 and it's called The King's Man. And it's about the first Kingsman before they were the Kingsmen. They say in this movie, they will go back to where it all began, discover the origins of the very first independent intelligence agency. The official synopsis is so far as a collection of history's worst tyrants and criminal masterminds gather to plot a war to wipe out millions. One man must race against time to stop them. I'm excited for this, but I will forever be just a little less excited after their treatment of Lancelot in Kingsman 2. Ladies and gentlemen, this next story comes to us from Newsarama. Apparently, Marvel Studios has been courting Keanu Reeves for years, but apparently he is waiting for the right project and is more than willing to be a part of the MCU. So now it just seems like they have to come to him with the right character. There, there are tons of ideas people are just throwing out there. But of course, this is just fans. No one of uh, no one of importance to the company has thrown out any ideas yet. But I bet you they are brainstorming to take advantage of the heightened love right now for Keanu Reeves. Apparently, according to Variety, that murder mystery movie, the Netflix original starring Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston, has broken records. 
and good records. Apparently, 30.9 million households tuned in for this movie for the first three days. And this is with Netflix counting a view as someone watching at least three quarters of the movie. As of June 18th at 2.01 p.m., the exact number was 30,869,863 accounts had watched Murder Mystery. It is the biggest opening weekend ever for a Netflix film. And this film got more love worldwide than it did in the U.S. and Canada, 13 million point three in America and Canada and 17 million point five in the worldwide market. So did you watch it? If so, what did you think? Oh, something I forgot to mention. We were talking about Jason Momoa being willing to be in a twins remake. Apparently he'd also love to play Wolverine as well. So yes, he just wants to have fun. In a story from Metro.co.uk, Sophie Turner is, quote, so down to play Boy George in a biopic. And I say, do it. I've said it before, and I will say it again, and I will say it until she does it. She needs to pull a Kristen Stewart, cut her teeth in indies, and then come back. Ladies and gentlemen, one more original star from the original Ghostbusters series is coming back for Jason Reitman's eagerly anticipated sequel. This according to CBR.com, and that person is Annie Potts, who, of course, played Janine Melnitz. So that's all of the surviving Ghostbusters returning. That's Sigourney Weaver returning. That's Janine Melnitz, a.k.a. Annie Potts, coming back. Will we see the return of Rick Moranis as Louis Tully? I sure hope so. And this final story, ladies and gentlemen, comes to us from E.T. Online. Remember when I said that Noah Centineo was going to play He-Man in the He-Man movie, and I said, no, this puffy bitch should play Prince Adam instead? Well, apparently, Noah is getting into shape, and I am now more willing, after seeing the little work he has done, I am more willing to accept that he can be He-Man. All right, that is it for the news. Let us step into everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. Well, 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 we have some interesting trailers this week. At least the first one really caught my eye. This was for a movie I, I had no idea about, no idea anything like this was even coming out. And it's called Night Hunter. This is an action thriller movie starring Ben Kingsley, Alexandra Daddario, Henry Cavill, Stanley Tucci, and Nathan Fillion. And in this movie, we have we have Ben Kingsley playing this kind of vigilante who finds people who hurt women and basically punishes them. And he has used someone and he has used people as bait before to lure out these predators. And he has used someone new, but then that person goes missing. And then he goes to the cops, say, hey, we have this predator. I know who he is. I tried to bait him out. But now the girl is missing. So now the cops go find this guy bring him in turns out he has multiple personalities or does he and that part was a little iffy for me that that's been done a lot but what's interesting is that while he's in custody a couple more women go missing some cops are killed but somehow he's still behind it this looks really good and i i want to see this this looks intense and it doesn't look like it gets too graphic which yay is all right by me I actually can't find a release date for this because the only release dates I can find were for the Los Angeles Film Festival in 2018 and the rest of them are international release dates. 
usually we have similar release dates to the UK. So maybe sometime in September because this is hitting the UK in, on September 13th. Next up, we have a trailer for a movie called The Peanut Butter Falcon. This is about Zach, a young man with Down syndrome who runs away from his care home to make his dream of becoming a professional wrestler come true. On the way, he meets a man on the road who decides to take him under his wing and help him fulfill his dream. This stars Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson, Thomas Hayden Church, Bruce Dern, John Bernthal, Jake the Snake Roberts, Mick Foley, and introducing Zach Gotzgin as Zach. I think this looks really cute. Um, I really wasn't sure what to think at first, but then the more the trailer went on, I was just like, okay, this movie just looks good. It looks like an adventure movie, but more of a realistic adventure, not an adventure like Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. The trailer kind of compares it to a Tom Sawyer type story, and I do see that, you know, except for the whole escaped slave thing. He's a, he's a guy who escaped from a care home. And I think this looks cute, and I don't get that same feeling that some movies give me where there's no way it could end okay, where it's just going to be a tearjerker and sad and depressing. I don't get that feeling. Will Zack get to be a professional wrestler? I don't know, but, but whether he does or doesn't, I think this is going to be a good movie. This comes out August 9th, 2019. Next up, we have a trailer for a Netflix original film coming out July 12th called Point Blank, starring Anthony Mackie, Frank Grillo, and Marsha Gay Harden, and I am down. This is your typical at crime drama action movie, where we have Anthony Mackie as this guy whose pregnant wife gets kidnapped, and these people call up go, hey, there's this guy who was taken to the hospital the other day. Bring him to us or you'll never see your wife again. He gets Frank Grillo out of the hospital and finds out that the people who are doing this are dirty cops who want Frank Grillo dead. He says, hey, instead of taking me to the cops, how about I go to them anyway and I murder them and we get your wife back. And since he's already in deep shit, Anthony Mackie's character just goes, yeah, okay, cool. And thus starts the fun. I cannot wait. This looks ridiculous. And it's only made better by the fact this is going to be on Netflix. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the trailer trove. Let us take our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds in a Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Starf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, everyone, welcome back. We are now going into the limited release section of the show, and we're going to do it just like we used to. We're going to do limited releases, break wide releases, and yes, that will make these two commercial breaks a little closer to each other. 
but we only have six limited release movies and five wide releases and interesting indies, so I think this will be a, a short episode. First up, we have a film called The Other Story. Two rebellious young women, one fleeing the chaos of secular hedonism for the disciplined comforts of faith, the other, desperate to transcend her oppressive religious upbringing for sexual and spiritual freedom, cross paths unexpectedly in Jerusalem to startling consequences. This is a movie from Israel, and I feel whoever wrote that synopsis is a gigantic douchebag. Let's talk about a movie called The Queen. This is a limited re-release of a documentary from 1968 about what went on behind the scenes at the National Drag Queen Contest in New York City. So yes, this was a documentary released in 1968, and okay, well technically it still is a documentary released in 1968, but it's getting a limited theatrical re-release. But here's the good news, if it's not coming to a theater near you and you want to see it, or you might be interested in seeing this but just don't really want to pay for it, the original is on YouTube, it is crappy quality, but it's on YouTube for free. Next up is a film called The 16th Episode, and speaking of YouTube, three YouTubers are struggling to get more views, so they travel to Casablanca for the adventure of their life, but instead of a wonderful culture, they find hell. Uh, this stars no one, and it almost made it in the limited, well, wide releases in Interesting Indies, I mean. It almost made it in that section, but when I watched a trailer, half of the trailer, and, and not an equal half, like certain parts would seem like utter garbage. Like, why would you watch this? This looks stupid. Other parts looked pretty good. But the parts that looked bad looked so bad that I just didn't trust this movie. And the parts that looked good didn't look good enough to warrant risking watching this. But I just wonder, why can't other forms of media like movies and TV do any kind of modern social media or modern website user properly? YouTubers are always idiots. Like, just think whenever you see a vlogger on a TV show or a commercial or something, how awful it is. And it's the same when a movie tries to have a character that's big on Instagram or Twitter. It's why are you so bad? Why are movies in general just so bad about this? And I know it's not all movies, but it's enough that it's a thing that so many movies get this wrong that why can't they just look at a YouTuber, look at a social media influencer on one of these other uh, on one of these other social media platforms and go, OK, we'll use this person as uh, as an example it's like every youtuber in a movie and, and like, just like in this one too it seems like they're either early philip defranco or logan paul it's just ridiculous next up we have a film called the last whistle a high school football coach comes under fire after one of his players drops dead during punishment sprints when it seems like the world is out to get him and he has nowhere to turn he finds god oh this stars Brad Leland from Deepwater Horizon. And unlike last week, which had a couple movies, or maybe just one, I can't remember at this point. That was all the way back then. But last week had at least one Christian-themed movie that didn't look terrible, that remembered it should have been a movie first, then have this, have this Christian story in it. But this movie looks like it forgets all this, and it, it looks awful. But I honestly want to know. I, I really don't think any of you are the, are the mark for these movies, because I would have offended you long ago, and you would have gone away. But if for some reason I haven't offended you, and you've stayed around, or you're not one of the marks, but you know someone who is either you tell me why or ask them why why does the message that these movies have trump the fact that they are poorly written and poorly acted like really speaking of mega church movies the next movie is called the other side of heaven 2 
fire of faith. Missionary John H. Groberg returns to Tonga in the 1960s with his wife and their five young daughters because they don't know what a condom is. When their sixth child, good God, man, stop. When their sixth child is born with a serious illness, the Grobergs face their ultimate test of faith only to find themselves surrounded by the love and prayers of the Tongan people. This stars no one. Big surprise. So no, 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 skip this movie. And finally, in the limited release section, we have a film called Three Peaks. Aaron wants to become a family with his girlfriend and her eight-year-old son. But high up in the Italian Dolomites, his attempts to win the boy over turn into a tragedy when the two get separated. This is a German film. And it could be good, but it's just, it looks like if everyone involved wasn't an idiot, there wouldn't be a movie at all. So th this guy is trying to bond with this kid in, in the trailer and something he says something or the kid says something and they get into an argument. The kid walks off crying and he just stands there and lets the kid walk off when they're hiking in the f***ing mountains. It's like, you're not too bright, are you, dude? And the kid just walks off too. Like, well, I don't I don't get it. How can these two people be this stupid? I understand. OK, maybe it's, he's a kid and he's a stupid kid. But no, I really think that the fact that this whole movie could have been so easily avoided would just piss me off way too much to watch this. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for one more break. We actually have two ads for you this time. We have the Watch Your Mouth podcast and we're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall -wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMPodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. All right, everyone, we're back with the wide releases and interesting indies. First, we start with a film called Euphoria. Sisters in conflict traveling through Europe stop at a retreat for people in crisis. Emily hopes that she can get Inus to come to terms with their childhood while all Inus wants to do is leave. This stars Alicia Vikander from Tomb Raider, Eva Green from Penny Dreadful, Charlotte Rampling from Never Let Me Go, and Charles Dance from Game of Thrones. And this movie had a trailer that when the trailer started out, I thought it was going to go totally a different way. So you have these two people going to this like hippie-ish retreat, and I thought it was going to go in the go in the direction of a cure for wellness or the upcoming midsummer. Or is it pronounced midsomar? 
whatever. You know, that indie horror coming out that everyone's been talking about. But as the trailer went on, it just seemed like the the initial bad feeling that Alicia Vikander's character got was just because there's some hippie group. Because the rest of the trailer really focused on the relationship between the sisters and the person in this retreat that's trying to get through to Inez's problems or whatever at the base of the problems are. I just hope that if at the base of it, all the problem is because of some up childhood memory, if that is the case and it was something sexual, I hope we don't see it. Just like with Gerald's game, I liked Gerald's game except for that part where it was like we didn't need to see it. Just imply it or just tell us that's what happened. Either way, this movie has promise just because I like the cast and it looks like it's a it's the basis of a horror movie, but without the horror aspect, if that makes sense to you. So we're just going to have this this woman trying to come to terms or fighting trying to come to terms with what happened to her. Her sister, who's already come to terms with it and just going, why? Why won't you do this? Why can't you? Why can't you just build a bridge and get over it? Okay, I doubt she's going to be that heartless about it. Because if there is something creepy with the people at this retreat, the, the trailer did a piss poor job of showing us that. And no, a trailer shouldn't give away too much, but at least it could have hinted at something if that's the case. But I think it isn't the case because there really wasn't even as much as of a, of a hint that something weird was going on. What it looks like is we have a well-acted movie, maybe well-written, it doesn't seem bad, and a movie that's going to hit you right in the feels. This doesn't look bad. This looks like something just to keep on your radar. Euphoria gets a 6 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie called Ophelia. This is a reimagining of Hamlet told from Ophelia's perspective. This stars Daisy Ridley from Star Wars The Force Awakens, Naomi Watts from Mulholland Drive, Clive Owen from Closer, George McKay from Captain Fantastic, and Tom Felton from the Harry Potter series. And okay, yeah, I'm down. Um, I like Shakespeare. I do like me some Shakespeare stories. And seeing a classic Shakespeare tale but told from an alternate perspective I think is really interesting. I like Daisy Ridley. I think she's a good actress. I just think that her character in the new Star Wars movie sucks. I like Rey. She has promise, but so far they haven't given her anything to work with. And it's a shame because I think Daisy Ridley can really work with more. And so that's why I want to see this. I want to see more of what she can do. And it'd also be interesting to see if it was a true reimagining. Like if everything that happens is the same or if they change it up a bit. I hope they don't change it up a bit just because I would like to see this full story, the full Hamlet story told from Ophelia's point of view. Maybe give me a couple scenes that weren't in the original, that aren't in the play because maybe she was, wasn't in that particular scene. Sure, okay, I will take that. I will take those type of changes. Otherwise, if they're going to do a reimagining of something, then just say it's inspired by this. That way it sets us up we, we will go into it not expecting a a retelling. But I think this movie has promise. I really think it does. But this, just like Euphoria, just like a lot of movies I talk about on the show, is something that you can wait to see on streaming or buy it when it comes out. But I noticed uh, the other day when I was looking at, looking at movies, Anne and I were in Target, and I forgot what it was, but there was this indie movie that had been out that I really wanted to see, but it was so expensive. And all of the big blockbusters, still equally new movies, some of even some of them even newer, were 
$10 cheaper. And I really have to ask, will would these companies, would these independent production companies really lose that much if they if they kept their prices at an equal level to all the big budget ones like would would they sell more would they make up the money they would have lost because they sold more and then maybe it would just give the movie more hype but worst case scenario for these movies you can always wait a few years because i oh what was a really good movie from how long ago was that 2014 fruitvale station now is five bucks on blu-ray eight dollars on regular dvd or multi-format for for $12.99. That's nothing. That is a good price. That is a good price for a really good movie. Call Me By Your Name, that movie from last year starring, uh, who was it again? Army Hammer, Timothy Calumet is still almost 20 bucks on Blu-ray. I mean, come on. I'll be honest, if it was the same price as Fruitvale Station, I would have bought it right now. Okay, but honestly, what do I know about the pricing of these things? Maybe they would lose a ton of money if they tried to be competitive with their prices. Or I am right. Either way, we may never know. So Ophelia looks like a good movie, a classic story that many of us know, even if you have never read, even if you have never seen the play or any other version of the movie, it's still a story you know. So I think this is a safe pick if you want to watch something, but just like Euphoria, probably wait for it to come out. And you know what? If you haven't seen or read Hamlet before, maybe do that first and then watch the reimagining. Ophelia gets a 7 out of 11. All right, folks, three movies left, and the next one is an interesting-looking documentary called Maiden. This is a story of Tracy Edwards, who became the skipper of the first-ever all-female crew to enter the white bread... <laughs> white bread. The wit bread round-the-world race... Because <laughs> they're all white. <laughs> That's a lie. They're probably not all white. This is probably a big, big thing. I've just never seen it before. I know of it. But this is a tangent. Okay, <clears throat> this is the story of Tracy Edwards, who became the skipper of the first ever all-female crew to enter the Whitbread round-the-world race in 1989. The good thing about this, and the reason I put this documentary on the on this part of the list, is that I don't think it's going to be one of those depressing ones. Because, you know, there, there's a lot of stories out there of, like, women doing something for the first time, and they usually fall in one of two categories. There's the p type of people like Sally Ride, who are forever remembered as this amazing example of what women can do. And then there's the hidden figure side of it, where it will be decades until they ever got noticed. Maybe even some of them died without knowing that they were eventually appreciated. Also called the Vincent Van Gogh effect. Oh, I made myself sad. And don't worry, I'm not saying don't learn about those sad stories. They are very important, and it's important that people get their due, that people get recognition for what they did. But this one will have the benefit of being the first ever all-female crew and being recognized for what they did, because apparently, during the time, it was a big deal. Because I was six when this happened, and I don't remember it. I remember learning about it later. That's why it's mildly familiar to me, but watching this would be interesting to see what exactly they went through. How long did they have to train for? Were all of them already sailors? Did they already know what to do? Or did she just find a group of women who wanted to do it, who were willing to take the chance and put their lives on the line, and then they had to, had to train to become good enough to complete this task? Either way, I think it will be an interesting story, and one that I know bears being told. Maiden. It's a 7 out of 11. Alright folks, two movies left, and the final movie that's not the pick of the week is called 
Annabelle Comes Home. Ed and Lorraine Warren bring the possessed doll Annabelle to their home and lock it up. When they're sent off on another case, their daughter's left at home with the babysitter. But the babysitter's friend doesn't believe in the things that go bump in the night and awakens the evil doll. This stars Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson from The Conjuring, McKenna Grace from The Haunting of Hill House, Samara Lee from Annabelle Creation, and Madison Iceman from Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. And I do want to see this movie. Uh, the first Annabelle, and Anne and I were talking about this earlier, the first Annabelle was okay. Uh, I, I think it could have been a lot better, but I did enjoy it. I think more than she did. Annabelle 2, aka Annabelle Creation, was really good. And I even think it's one of the best movies in the Conjuring verse. So this movie can go either way. And as long as it's either on par with or better than the first Annabelle, I think we're good. This has the benefit of having the Warrens in it, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, who we already know are good, who know their characters well, who play them well. Characters we now know better thanks to Conjuring 2. So I think this movie is a sure win. The only thing is, is guess what? This is the third movie in a series. And if you haven't seen the first two, do not start here. No, no, no. Do not do that. If you look online and you and you inquire to what the internet thinks, the order you should watch these movies, a lot of them say that you should watch them in chronological order, which I think is the wrong answer. I think this is entirely wrong. The only benefit to watching it in chronological order, the only benefit is that it gets the two weakest movies in the series out of the way first. The Nun, which was terrible, and Annabelle, which is a weaker movie than all the rest. But if you've never seen this series, I highly recommend it. I think the, the whole Conjuring universe, except for The Nun, and I haven't seen La Llorona yet, but except for The Nun is good, but I would highly suggest doing The Conjuring, Conjuring 2, then The Annabelles in order, because even though Annabelle Creation is a prequel to Annabelle, I think that you should watch Annabelle first to more appreciate Annabelle Creation. Also save the better movie for last. But if you've never seen these movies, skip this one in theaters unless you want to marathon them and then check this out. But I think there's a better movie coming out this week that would also benefit from the big screen. It's not a blockbuster, but because of its topic and what it's going to have a lot of, I think it's going to really benefit from the big screen treatment. If you choose to see Annabelle Comes Home, if you're really excited for it, if you love this series, I don't think it's going to be a bad choice. Not at all. I just know if I had to pick, if I had to pick only one to see, I would pick Guess what? The pick of the week. Annabelle Comes Home looks good. It's a familiar idea with a solid cast that has proven people behind it. This is the first time this director has worked on a movie, but he is familiar with horror. He wrote, uh, he worked on the screenplay for It. He worked on Annabelle, Annabelle Creation. He's working on It, it Chapter 2. He worked on the screenplay for Are You Afraid of the Dark? So at least we know he knows what he's doing. This is produced by James Wan, so I think if, as this movie is being made, if it was complete crap, he would have he went, whoa, 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 let's stop this, and step in, kind of like he did for the, I believe he did it for The Curse of La Llorona, which maybe the movie wasn't crap, but he did step in and go, okay, I, I have a couple ideas. So I think this movie is safe, and I think it's going to be good. Will it be as good as Annabelle Creation or The Conjuring 2? Maybe not, but I think it'll be entertaining. Annabelle Comes Home gets an 8 out of 11. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the pick of the week, and you may know what it is, so say it with me. The pick of the week is a film called Yesterday. A struggling musician realizes that he's the only person on earth who can remember the Beatles after waking up in an alternate timeline where they never existed. This stars Himesh Patel from EastEnders 
and Lily James from Baby Driver. And I hope this synopsis didn't give something away by the fact that it's an alternate timeline. Because I think that an equally plausible explanation is that he hit his head and he's in a coma. I mean, that would suck. I would be very angry if he was in a coma and he woke up and it was a dream. Or I think what would be really interesting is that the Beatles really did never exist in this world. He hit his head and he's just getting all this inspiration and he swears that he has this memory of it. But what's probably going to be the case is exactly what it says in the in the in the synopsis and that it is an alternate timeline. But regardless of where it goes, regardless of the reason people don't know the Beatles, I think this looks really entertaining. This guy can play the guitar because it looks like him really playing. Like, I, I can't play, but at least it looks like he's not terribly faking it. And he has a good voice. And this has all the songs we love from the Beatles. And it's just a celebration of their music coupled with a very interesting story. And you throw in the fact that... Uh, Patel's character and James's character seem to be interested in each other or they are dating, but he's focusing too much on his music now that he's blowing up. So she's getting unhappy. And so then he has to ask himself, well, I'm huge right now. I'm one of the most I'm one of the biggest artists in the world playing songs that are classics, but not to these people. I have never been this big before. I will probably never be this big again. But what's more important, this fame and the money it's bringing me or the woman I may love. So we have a couple things going on in the movie. And this movie has, because of that, this movie has a lot to offer us. And because there's going to be a lot of music in it, and because we're going to see his concerts, because we're going to get to see all of his performances, I think that the the theater experience will really be a great stage for this. Just because you can get that surround sound, that great sound that only the theater has. I don't think you'd miss out terribly if you saw this at home. I, I really don't think you will. I think if you wanted to wait and watch it later, I think you'd be fine. But if you wanted to see a movie in theaters this week, I think this should be your pick because I don't think, even though it's highly anticipated, I don't think it will be as packed as other movies would be, as a big blockbuster would be, and you're going to get that wonderful sound. This is a cute story. This is an interesting story. This has a lot of potential, and uh, I've never seen EastEnders, but hey, if, he, if uh, Himesh Patel has been on the show that long, he can't be bad, right? And Lily James, we know she does good work. The only thing I hope we don't see is them introduce a character that's going to be like the Yoko Ono, that's going to try and mess up what he's doing or maybe gets in between him and his girlfriend because I think that would be too easy of a joke. And I think that's a joke that we've been making for so long. I think it's too old. I, I think it's not fresh anymore. And besides, John's dead. George is dead. The Beatles are broken up. Yoko has moved beyond her whatever her role was, whatever it truly was in the breaking up of the Beatles. So I think that joke would be far too easy, and I think the movie looks better than that. This movie is also directed by Danny Boyle, someone we know we like. The guy who brought us Train Spotting, The Beach, 28 Days Later, Sunshine, Slumdog Millionaire, 127 Hours, and has two writers. The first guy, Jack Barth, I'm not too familiar with. But it also has this dude named Richard Curtis, who was a writer on movies like Love Actually, About Time, Pirate Radio, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Some Doctor Who, Bridget Jones's Diary, Notting Hill, Mr. Bean. 
So nothing against Jack Barth, but I do not know him. So we have a good cast. We have a good idea. We have this based off just amazing historic music. We have a proven and good director, a proven and good writer. And we have a big, good looking movie coming out that's not a reboot, remake, or based on a comic. So the next time you hear some stupid asshole complaining about Hollywood has no good ideas, no original ideas left, you can point to this movie and say, F you, you piece of human garbage. I am excited for this movie. Oh, and also has Ed Sheeran in it. What's not to love? Ed f***ing Sheeran. And bonus, we have Lily James on a movie poster without her waist edited down to unrealistic standards. So yay for that. That's just a bonus. If you haven't seen the trailer for this, if you haven't seen anything about this, watch the trailer. It looks really good. Early critic reviews are coming in and it's not that great, but remember, those people. Listen to me. Yesterday gets a 10 out of 11. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the why releases and interesting indies. So let us jump into the question of the week before I send you along your way to the other great shows in the somewhat nerdy podcast network. Well, let me remind you what the question of the week was, and that was you get to pick your favorite toy from your childhood, and it gets put in a new Toy Story movie. What toy do you pick, and who voices it? So let us start with the first answer, and the only answer we got outside of this house, and that comes from our good friend Brian Q, who says the toy is the Shogun Warrior. Shogun Warrior, a toy from the late 70s, early 80s by Mattel. And who voices that toy? Taika Waititi. And yes, you can put Taika Waititi in anything. And I'll go, yes, I'm down. You could put him in as an actor, as a voice actor, as a writer, as a director, as a producer, whatever. And I am interested. And I never had a Shogun Warrior, but the toy looks very familiar to me. And I, and I just looked for shiggles on how much it's going right now. And the one I saw on the Ebays was going for about $400. So yeah, no, that will go on my toys I will never ever own list. We then had a back and forth on Twitter. He said that another good one would be the Godzilla that could shoot off its fist and had a lever that made atomic breath come out and i wonder if we're thinking of the same one is this the one where the lever it was actually a little roller and it created sparks or did it actually shoot out like a piece of plastic you had to put inside he wasn't sure on who would voice it i thought it'd be funny if someone really famous was chosen but they didn't actually voice godzilla it was or say words and it was just like godzilla screeches and stuff kind of like george clooney in south park if you remember, George Clooney was the voice of Stan's gay dog in season, uh, which season was it? I think it was the first season and it was the one where his dog comes out as gay and with the first time we see Big Gay Al. But it was just George Clooney making barking noises or just, I think actually saying just roof, roof and things like that. And I think that would be great to get someone super famous, uh, see if someone super famous would want to do it. And I bet you there's someone out there who would. So let's wrap this up with my answer. And my favorite toys as a child were my Ghostbusters toys. And I had the main four Ghostbusters. I had some special Janine who was in a this crazy suit and shot something. And I had all a bunch of the different variations of the Ghostbusters. 
Because you know how back in the day, probably still now, even though I'm not well versed in toys, these the new toys. But back in the day, they would do like themed sets or release action figures that were never part of the original movie or whatever cartoon it was from just to just to sell more. But I'd have to choose one just because I, I think it's a cop out going, oh, all four of the Ghostbusters. So I would say that it would be Egon because Egon was always my favorite. And I would actually want Dan Aykroyd to do it because Dan Aykroyd can do voices. And I wouldn't really want him to mock Harold Ramis's voice. Just just do a voice for it, because I think it would be great to have Harold Ramis's character and then have another Ghostbuster voice it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. It is time for a new question of the week. And I actually have a question that's based on a movie that came out this week, based on yesterday. But it's more of a music question for you. So the same thing that happens in yesterday happens to you. You wake up one day and everyone has forgotten the band you know the best. Which band, singer, artist, whatever, would you have the best chance of remembering their songs? If that's confusing to you, let me phrase it like this. In yesterday, the main character hits his head, wakes up, no one remembers the Beatles, and he plays Beatles songs from memory. Which group or singer would you be able to remember the most songs from? Well, with that, it is time to end the episode. So you can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. Pretty please. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow here. How do you reach me? Great question. Please leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. We do have a Patreon page. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy website. Also be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Remember to stop by the Somewhat Nerdy website to check out our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.